There's a common passion that, that exists around supporting families and supporting children and, and educators. And people may say that that sounds cliche, but at the heart, that's the passion that drives. And when you have that common common passion, those, those carry over. Ensuring a future without limits for children goes beyond the classroom. Welcome to the AESD Scoop, a nationally recognized podcast for families, educators, and community members. Listen to the stories of people and communities who are empowering the future generation and our children who are already making a difference in their own ways. Tune in every Wednesday to the AESD Scoop. Welcome back, AESD listeners. This is Betsy Hargrove, Superintendent of Avondale Elementary School District, and we have an amazing guest joining us today who has just done some impactful work with her organization she's currently with, and we have a long history with her in being able to do wonderful, wonderful things for children, specifically here in Avondale and beyond. So, Lori, if you could please introduce yourself. Absolutely. Good afternoon. It's a, it's a wonderful, cloudy sort of Monday afternoon. I'm Lori Masur. Um, I have the privilege um, of being the Director of Early Learning for Read on Arizona, which is our state's collective impact initiative, really focusing on school readiness and improving third grade literacy outcomes. Oh, wonderful, Lori. I, you know, I would love for you to tell our listeners just a little bit about yourself, your history, uh, how you got to where you are with Read On Arizona, and then um, really want to dig into the work that you're doing. Absolutely. So just a little bit of background about myself. Um, I have been, I'm not an Arizona native, but I might as well be. I've been here for close to 25, 26 years now. Um, I um, grew up in a military family, which made my way to, to good old Yuma, Arizona, um, mm -hmm. back in the um, early to mid to mid 90s, where I ended up graduating from from Kofa High School. So I'll say go Kofa Kings for anybody who maybe <laughs> who has that connection and and started out in education in early childhood, actually in Yuma, you know, first starting at, at Arizona Western College before um, transferring over to Tucson um, at the University of Arizona. And that's really um, Betsy, where my where my journey in education um, began, I I began with my student teaching at, at Tucson Unified School District, and um, I always say I I sort of fell into early childhood. People who know know that I originally started out I was older elementary, and that was going to be where where my calling was. And my mom reached out to me and said, "There's this position at Davis Mothin Air Force Base," and it's an early childhood. And my first response was to my mom was, I don't do little kids. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> you should go check it out. And I said, okay, I'll check it out. And that was 2001. And I have never looked back since wow. then on, on early childhood. Um, you just I fell was, in love. I just fell in love. I was I was over a decade at, at Davis Mothin Air Force Base in, in the Tucson area. Um, I had a, a preschool classroom and then I had a toddler classroom and I had the opportunity to to work and support military families. Um, I have uh, at that time, it was an excellent opportunity for my for my um, I became a new mom while I was was teaching there in the, in the early 2000s. And I just settled into early childhood. And by the time we made it to, you know, to Phoenix area. I was um, overseeing my own early childhood center, which I did for um, roughly six or seven years before making my way to the department. And so Amy Corvo, who was the deputy associate superintendent at the time, took a chance on somebody who was so immersed in military early childhood culture who really didn't know what was 
what per se was happening in the quote unquote civilian sector. And mm-hmm. it brought me into the department um, with excellent mentors who helped to, to shape sort of my own knowledge and understanding of early childhood beyond um, Department of Defense, but really just to see, you know, the matrix, so to speak, of how all these pieces came together and how early childhood really supported this continuum beyond um, kindergarten into, you know, middle school and, and high school and beyond and had the opportunity with their guidance and leadership um, with Amy Corvo, with, with Nicole Russell, um, mm-hmm. step into um, the director position and then eventually into a deputy associate um, superintendent position over there. And, and that was when I initially ran into my, my colleague and friend, Terry Clark, who was the state yeah. literacy director. And for quite some time, we were, we were um, partners in crime unofficially until we, <laughs> until you made it official. Until we made it official. And so officially um, came over um, to read on, to step into the role of the director of early learning. Um, Read on Arizona has just had this, as Terry describes it, this sort of tsunami that's happened with the explosion around supports around early literacy and and thinking about those factors that impact school readiness and, and early literacy. So I came on as part of those capacity building um, efforts and initiatives in that space and, and um, really thinking about what's happening, not only within Arizona, but within communities and read on communities like Avondale. Oh, wow. Okay. Definitely a rich history. And I love how you made that connection between the work that you're doing in early literacy and removing those barriers and creating those incredibly strong foundations that truly lead to children in middle elementary and in high school and beyond, because those foundations are absolutely critical. And I know I'm pre- preaching in the choir by saying that to you, because you 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 have uh, led that charge and shared that message with so many as really the, the lens and the landscape of early childhood education has, it took root a bit in Arizona because, you know, a lot of people may not know this in Arizona, preschool and actually even kindergarten is not mandatory, right? And so you were around in the days when um, when Janet Napolitano really moved forward and said, no, this is critically important. We need to have universal preschool. We need to make sure that, uh, excuse me, uh, universal kindergarten full day. And we're going to make that happen. And then, uh, you know, uh, we all know the history on that, right? Um, but then, 2011, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's emblazoned in our minds. Uh, and but what, what, boy, that would be a study. Sorry, I'm I'm digressing right now already. That would be a study to track the children who are part of that initiative in those years and in kind of where you know follow their trajectory. And then you think about the PDG grants, right? The preschool development grants and and the funds from the the. Uh, federal government that allowed us to offer preschool to families um, at no charge. I mean, that, that opened up so many doors Um, and you were able to, I I know I'm so excited. Now, now can we talk about how we're going to staff it? If we can solve that problem, like we could open so many, we need the staff, right? I know. And and the thing is, is it's interesting that you bring it up and I know we're probably, you know, digressing, but when we were supporting the writing of the, this next iteration of the preschool development grant, 
you know, looking in the early childhood space, one of the things that really astounded us when you think about staffing was we were we were looking at just this really small caveat of, of educators that were degreed and certificated by the state of Arizona. And what we found was for teacher of record in, in districts, we could not account for 76% of degreed and certificated teachers in the early childhood space. So when you think about, you know, we can open up, you know, all these classrooms or we have these empty classrooms or this empty building down the road. And it's sort of counterintuitive, counterintuitive to the idea of if you build it, they will come. <laughs> it's built. We have children who are waiting yeah. and now the, the staffing element that we have to to sort of dig deep and sort of do delve into this nine whys as to where teachers are are at or what are the barriers to them, you know, coming in. I think we can surmise what what some of the barriers are, but I absolutely agree. Like if we could solve the staffing piece, we would we oh, might we, be multimillionaires, Betsy. I don't know. Well that's true. That that is very true. It, 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 and really, I, actually, what we talk about an awful lot, I'll just say, well, fill, fill in the blank as far as where there's a staffing issue. It doesn't matter what the role is, really, quite frankly, in most, if all, not all organizations, that staffing is a challenge. And, and we're going to have to continue to, to be creative and come up with those systems, just like we did way back when, when we didn't have the uh, certificated staff to be able to do it, build opportunities for people and pathways, really, which which I think is absolutely phenomenal. You talk about uh, making a, making a true impact. We have so many amazing preschool teachers who went through that, that program and that pathway when it became available. So we're, we're, I, what I keep saying to our um, Avondale community education director is we're, we're going to figure this out. Like we are smart people. We're going to figure this out because the need is there. And, and I'll, and I'll tell you just to give you an idea, and, and you probably have heard me say this back in 2011 around the idea of um, of the PDG program, actually, it was a couple of years after that, in the sense of we found out, I want to say, in April that we secured that grant. So we're, we're thrilled, we're happy, we're excited. We have X number of classrooms. I, I believe it was somewhere around 149 slots. And by June, we were full. Yes. Right? So out of nowhere, right, came an opportunity to impact you know, approximately 150 children and, and their families, because it opens up so many additional opportunities for, for kids and families. And anyway, I, that I think is such a telling statement of how important and how necessary and, and really that the opportunities aren't out there. We need to find those ways to be able to make it happen. Oh, absolutely. And you, you touched on it, you know, even educator pathway and how do we grow and support you know, our own. And it's not necessarily just degreed and certificated teachers. We know there are teachers who are on their pathway toward degree. They're not certificated yet that are, that have phenomenal high quality classrooms and that are providing top-notch high quality and, you know, instruction to students and those supports to families like you were touching on earlier. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So, so you're at ADE and doing amazing work and making incredible connections. I would imagine that Going over to read on Arizona, just just that transition must have been so incredibly smooth and not not only such a value added to the group over there, but to think about all of the relationships that you built while while at ADE. 
So uh, tell me about how you've stayed in contact and, and, you know, are being still being connected. I mean, just like us, right. Being able to spend the, pretty much spend a week together last week. It was I know awesome. we, we saw each other quite a bit. I didn't mind at all. Um, you know, that's the thing, you know, re relationship building is so paramount and, and, and so key. And once you fortify those relationships in some instances, you fortify those friendships, you know, along the way uh, as well that are, you know, eight years, you know, 10 years in the making that, that supersede the job role, you know, and the title, um, that it's a group of individuals that, that come together around a shared goal and a common cause. Right. And, mm -hmm. and not just a common cause, but I say a passion, like the individuals I mentioned earlier, my predecessors, Nicole and Amy and, and, and Terry Doolin, like there's a common passion that, that exists around supporting families and supporting children and, and educators. And, People may say that that sounds cliche, but at the heart, that's the passion that drives. And when you have that common common passion, those those carry over no matter what your no matter what your role happens to be. And the great thing about that relationship, Billy, that helped that transition be so seamless over to read on was the the rich relationship with with Terry as the early literacy director, and really thinking about. You know, I think with Read on Arizona, everyone naturally goes, oh, it's always it's always been about literacy. It's always been about school readiness and and mm -hmm. early literacy. Right. Um, how those two pieces, you know, go together, you know, hand in hand or or recognizing that if if children aren't in high quality early learning settings, that alone impacts, you know, um, reading and, you know, and literacy. Um, mm -hmm. And so. I think that that was paramount. So those relationships built, you know, when I first came to the department, I always share, you know, I used to service the Navajo Nation in Northern Arizona prior to coming to the department. And I joke that when I came to the department, I, I get to be in the Phoenix area. You know, I, I live in Chandler. My, my children go to school here. And right away, they're like, oh, you're going right back up to Navajo, <laughs> Navajo Nation. And I was like, great. Well, um, you know where you're going. That works. You have all the people there. But you form the relationships with with districts and with and with with schools and with teachers. Um, you know, you have to have that relationship in order for them to trust you, trust you enough to come into their classroom, to be around, you know, to be around their students, you know, to have that comfort level in in speaking with you. That you're not there about compliance. It's never been about compliance. It's been about what's best for children and educators. And I think if that's something genuine, then that carries throughout. And so when I did make the transition to read on, it was, okay, well, you're over there. What are, what are you doing now? And then, you know, been able to call them and say, let's, let's have a conversation. This is what's going on in, in your neck of the woods. You know, what can we do, you know, to support you? What, you know, what do you need? And I think always coming into it with, um, or at least how I was in department and, and consider myself to be now is that idea of servant leadership. I'm, I'm here to support and and service others, um, and I think that has what what has translated over and helping to make that that transition smooth, so that I'm still I'm supporting the the goals and efforts of Read On, but I always like to point out the Department of Ed was always a founding partner of Read On, right. so always underneath this you know larger umbrella of school readiness and and early literacy with those with those shared goals and thinking about those shared solutions underneath that greater umbrella of read on so transitioning over as a as a founding partner with the same north star into the organization was definitely a, a smoother a smooth transition
Well, it makes perfect sense. And I think that for our listeners, both here in Arizona and across the United States, you know, each each state obviously does things differently. They have their own structures, their systems, you know, who who and which organizations are coming together in order to, as you said, you know, work toward that North Star. What are, what are we working towards? I, I think Arizona is unique in, in the sense that it's small enough that people do exactly what you just did. Hey, I was with this organization for eight to 10 years. Now I'm sliding over to this organization, but really the overlap of the work that we're doing and the passion and the uh, direction that we're going in is the same. I just get to support it in a different way using different tools and resources. And, and you know, n- not, to, not to dig deeply into politics, but when you think about the shifts that are happening, here in here in Arizona, it's it's really interesting to watch as people from one organization shift to another organization, uh, how that actually makes us stronger, right? It it brings us together with with a different lens in a different set of tools to be able to approach. Um, the the challenges haven't changed, right? Um, and and so we are going to continue to on that journey of continuous improvement to be able to affect the outcome and the lives of of our children. Bottom uh- line. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And and so I love how you just described that because as you're describing it, it was I was envisioning exactly what you're saying. And and you know, you being over there or so and so shifting to this organization really just just actually deepens our connection and, and our opportunities to be able to truly make an impact and truly make change. Like you said, the challenges are going to be the same and the same people coming together as thought partners, regardless of their role and, and who's signing their paycheck, so to speak, is we still come together as thought partners to think about shared solutions and also to have that degree of self-reflection and how we carry the water back to our organization. Like, what does this mean for myself within my own organization and how I can and how I can support this? But then also, what does it mean for the collective whole and how we think about shared solutions together as thought partners? Oh, it makes it makes absolute perfect sense. And I, and, you know, I know that you're aware of this, just particularly with our recent work with Avondale's read on Avondale or read on Southwest Valley um, in, in our work with read on Arizona, very specifically, well, of course, the readiness um, pieces and the early literacy uh, that we've we've been so privileged to be a part of in such a really robust group of people who, as as we joke, you know, we we're we're not a think tank, we're a do tank, and and that's it. It, it is all action. I it, I love actually just the energy in the room. It's very similar to yours. Some of you're in the room. It's like okay, well we can do that. All right, okay, well yeah, let's do it. Go one two three go. And it's and it's so amazing the opportunities that have come from that that kind of that that daughter organization of read on arizona and then the layering in of the chronic absenteeism we were able to to really dig deeply into last week i'm i'm so grateful to helios and and west ed for for bringing that just bubbling that up to the top to in in creating an avenue to be able to have that conversation across the state i thought that that was so powerful I thought it really was. And I thought uh, a great point, you know, that you brought up when we were at the convening was just how chronic absenteeism can be masked, right? Like by average, you know, by average daily attendance or or people automatically default to thinking about attendance in forms of like truancy and and these punitive pieces. Um, But I think, you know, to your point, you know, having it percolate to the top, like 
you know, we have we have children that before the pandemic were missing 20 plus days of school for whatever the reason happened to be, whether or not that was illness or disengagement or or whatever the barrier happened to be. And we've only sort of seen this this explosion, so to speak, in a, in a post pandemic um, landscape um, with that. And I think having those conversations, you know, there's this piece, you know, and I often think about the work that has happened around, you know, Lectio with early literacy about really about being targeted and, and intentional and thinking about articulated pathways forward is one, what are we doing to help raise awareness around what chronic absenteeism is first and first and foremost, first and foremost, um, myth busting to an extent, uh, an extent about what, it, you know, what it's not. And then once we we move into this space of raising awareness, it's it's not just enough, especially with chronic absenteeism, to stay in a space right. uh, of raising awareness. Like there's always going to be this degree of raising awareness, but but what are we doing? To your point, a do tank instead of a think tank. Like what are we doing in that behavioral change space so that we can actually see those, you know, those numbers um, and those percentages begin to begin to come down, and not just to um, a 2018, 2019 level. Although I will say, you know, we were holistically as a state, we were doing well, but we still had some, some groups, but I think, you know, we began having those conversations, gosh, Betsy, um, seven, eight years ago, mm-hmm. or, you know, mm-hmm. around, around chronic absence. And so uh, part of me is a little overjoyed that it's like, it's being spotlighted even further here in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, as as a potential silver lining, so to speak, of the of the pandemic, as we as we try to find some, and then other part of me is like, wow, it's taken us seven to eight years <laughs> to right. write gas and teas into that point. So in the same token, I'm like, yes, I'm also like, okay, it took us a little bit, but we got there. <laughs> we got there. We got, we got there. there. We right. got there. And so now to think of, well, well, now what? You know, um, what do we do? with with that data we've often heard you know that data is is just that right it's data it's a temp check it's a it's a moment of time and and how we are doing or how students are doing um as it relates to their attendance in school but what we do with that data to your point in that do tank is is what's going to be important absolutely and and i think which i'm truly looking forward to is the opportunity for organizations to be able to share what is working because there there are there are sites there are leaders there are schools there are districts that that re- and then there are groups like read on avondale and read on southwest valley who who i know have just taken great strides in this and and bringing people together and and sharing those really good practices i don't like to use the word best practices because that means we're done those really good practices that we're just going to keep better, getting better and better at, right? I, I, that was one of the highlights I, I think of the mo- of the moment last week in in the room with everyone is just hearing from other people and where they've had their their growth points, where they have found success, because that's how we're going to get better and providing ongoing conversations and opportunities around that. We can fall in love with the problem, right? We we can all sit around and talk about how wonderful the problem is not um but that's not going to change it right we've got to get to that next spot of hey try this try that try this and 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 watch it you know those short cycles of improvement that we have have all found i i think to be really the best way to approach any set of circumstances any challenge 
Or I call it, I, I refer to it as like the Cinderella conundrum. Like the shoe that fits for you, Betsy and Avondale, is not necessarily the shoe that's going to fit for. And I always like to use the school district that that where my family lives, and that's in Page, Arizona, right there on the Arizona Utah border, just outside of the Navajo Nation. Sure. Uh, the glass slipper in Page is not necessarily the glass slipper. And, you know, in Avondale. And I sure. think that's, you know, important as you think, as you were just talking about practices that we get better and better at. Do we know that there are some things that could be, you know, quasi-universal, such as transportation issues? Yes, but those transportation issues Very are going to look in Avondale, you know, if it's, you know, access to public transportation versus when I head up north where there is no public that's transportation right. that is available. So I always am, am leery of the glass slipper and the Cinderella conundrum, because to your point, it, it really is about digging into what are those barriers for that particular community, and then for that particular community to identify the solutions or the, the practices that are going to work for that particular population at this particular time, given this particular set of circumstances. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and I will share with you in Avondale in and of itself with our nine elementary schools, literally some as close as a street in between them, right? And, and others five miles away, each one of them has their unique community. And each one of them have have their own sets of strengths and own sets of areas of refinement. And even a universal approach here wouldn't necessarily fit because they have they are unique in and of themselves. So being able to um, craft those and and as I said, I, I love the idea of you know here's our problem of practice. Let's try this and and monitor over uh, three weeks to a month wrap back around that data because the data is there wrap back around are we are we getting any traction if not well what are we going to tweak what are we going to do differently and that i think is the difference between here's the data in july let's look at that data next june there's a huge difference right because right? guess what <laughs> nothing is going to change in between so it's it's the regroup around the data what what did we do what was the result what did we do what was the result? modern adjust modern adjust well, Lori, I just have to tell you, I have just so enjoyed reconnecting with you. I love the work that you're doing. I value and appreciate your passion and commitment around our children here in Arizona. And I know that we have great things in front of us. You know, there's a, you know, a lot coming down, you know, the pipeline when it, when it comes to chronic absenteeism. And I'm excited to see what happens next. You know, there's the chronic absenteeism task force that's going yes. to be coming out um, this year that's going to consist of district leadership. We want to have voices from from state agencies and community partners to really begin to to you know put those thinking caps on. Think about those barriers. Think about some of those those solutions. Um, think about the guidance that can be provided um, to to school districts, but also to state education agencies. It's like this rushing nesting doll. I like. I like to use analogies if people if listeners haven't haven't noticed because when we talk about this and we talked about this a little bit when we did the morning scoop right is that chronic absenteeism is not solely the responsibility of the district it's not solely the problem of of a family like we have to come together as this as this cohesive unit of of partners of state agencies of of school districts of families to to tackle it to tackle it head on and 
Um, I know we talked a little bit about, about read-on in the beginning, and I don't know if we touched on Maplet as this tool and resource for um, for the data that, that displays that chronic absenteeism data over time and, and with trends. Mm-hmm. But um, I will say, you know, that's just one, you know, that's one point in time. It's a diagnostic, right? It's it's just the tool. And to your point, we really should be revisiting that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then and then thinking about where, you know, where we're at. And I know that we, um, for those who weren't there for the chronic absenteeism convening, talking about if we if we've waited the 18 days, we've waited too long, right? So what's happening? Right. What's happening if they've missed, you know, like we talked about two days in the first month, like, mm, yep. do the math on that. <laughs> so what can I help you with? And and the other piece that I think is so important to harken back into to early childhood is how do we set those expectations for regular attendance in the early childhood space? Like when, when we look at that chronic absentees and data, again, just as a diagnostic, we see that it's so high in kindergarten. Then we see it go down, you know, by the time it gets to third grade, and then we see it come back up. And we see that the kindergarten chronic absenteeism is running neck and neck with eighth grade chronic absenteeism. Mm -hmm. And those are two pivotal transition points from early childhood to kindergarten and from middle school in in high school. And setting those expectations in those in those early childhood years, you know, whether it's at the preschool development grant programs where there were things around attendance policies, right? Head starts who are beginning to collect data on on chronic absenteeism, and really think about how do we set that expectation, you know, in our in our itty bitties as three year olds, as four year olds, for you know, three and four year olds don't know they're not attending regularly, but how do we instill that in families so that hopefully we we can lower that chronic absence rate in kindergarten. But again, to your point, you know, how we collect it now from, from the state is one moment in time. Right. How, how schools dive into that data on a regular basis and do those consistent like feedback loops and those, you know, it's, it's linear and it's cyclical. Yes. And I think that's the, that's the, the key piece is it's, you know, linear and it's cyclical, how we have, how we have to look at it. Absolutely. And I, I love your emphasis on on that early childhood piece. No surprises coming from you uh, <laughs> it, in the sense that it's it's truly setting patterns of behavior. It's it's I'm building the habits of, you know, going to school, being a participant, being engaged, all of those all of those pieces that are so critically important for for really for for life. I mean, what, what is it? it what, and half it's showing up, right? You have to show up, one, <laughs> right? You, you just have to show up. And and I love something that Hetty said last week um, when she was talking about, you know, the, the two different things. One, of course, you've got engaging things happening in the classroom. The, the, the end is you also have these additional more than beyond what's happening in the classroom to build those enriching experiences for children and engaging them. Those, those really powerful after-school programs and offerings that, that tap into, uh, you know, children's gifts and talents and being able to expose them, have them practice them and have them hone them. And, and, you know, just that that whole piece that is so critically important for us as as we we take our children who are in our, you know, as you said, our littles right now who are going through our system and and planning for that limitless future that they so deserve. It it is our responsibility and our commitment to them to be able to make that happen. So yeah. absolutely. Well, it's a whole it's a whole package. Um 
And I just, I'm encouraged by this conversation as well as with our, our convening last week. And I just look forward to continuing to build this rich relationship that we have with you, Lori, and, and with Rita in Arizona. And I just think, as I said, there's just wonderful things to come, no doubt. Wonderful things to come. And I will write back at you with the great work that's happening um, in Avondale with the schools and with, and with the staff and just the passion and dedication that you and I've been in some of your classrooms when I was at the department for preschool development grant. And I always say, if it's a place that I would want to leave one of my kiddos or I want to be there, I'm like, it is a great, it's a great place. I can speak firsthand from being in your classrooms, seeing, you know, little faces, you know, light up and seeing teachers being so engaging that, that great, and I want to call it great work, great relationships are being built and great minds are being built in that district. And so thank you to you and thank you to your staff for that.